You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today. We only have um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven calls. So we're going to see where this gets us. We'll start off with Garrett. Hey, Ryan. I wanted to bring up a trade deadline question since uh, that is coming up in a couple of weeks on the 31st. Um, there's been a lot of speculation, people posting whether Green Bay should be sellers or buyers. And before the deadline, I was really wanting to hear what your opinion is on that, but uh, I will share with you mine first. I think that maybe they could be both, and here's why. I think that legitimately there is an offensive lineman that's a tackle named Garrett roles that I believe played at Utah um, that has graded out decently uh, of late the last few years um, and is wanting out. And this might be an opportunity for them to at least shore up uh, the offensive line with a veteran at that left side, let Walker kind of step back and start relearning a few things again and, and, and reboot a little bit. And maybe at the same time, trade Josh Nyman um, to someone who needs a right tackle or maybe a future pick so that we might have an additional pick next year to address the offensive line. Um, or maybe if they've got someone on their roster that can help bolster either the linebacker position or special teams or even safety perhaps, um, I think that they need to be buyers because I still have hopes that maybe they can turn it around, even though I have my ups and downs days where I feel like they don't have a chance. But um, I believe you're right. I think season's too early to give up on them. So my passion gets the best of me sometimes. So I think at the deadline they should be buyers and maybe sellers. So the only other guy I can think of that maybe they should sell is DeGuara because I am totally out on him, but maybe another team can utilize him better in a different way, and maybe another uh, team would be uh, something he needs. So, uh, unfortunately, I really want to see him do good also, but he hasn't really panned out like I thought he would. So maybe it's time for a couple of these guys just to go and uh, accumulate some extra picks for next year that we can maybe utilize to move up. 
and go from there. So, inter- interested to hear what you had to say. I'm out. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's basically on a case-by-case basis, you know, whether or not you sell or whether or not you buy. Um, the situation we're in is we want to be contenders soon. Not It's not going to be this year. So I'm not going to invest in somebody that's only good for this year. That's To me, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and then as far as being sellers, it's a question of, are you going to be a part of our plans over the next two, three, four, five years? If not consider selling. Um, so the problem with DeGuara is that he doesn't have any value. So you need to be a part of the plan. If you're not a part of the plan and you carry some value, then we sell you. Nobody's buying DeGuara. That would just be a cut. Um, you'd have to look at maybe somebody like Keyshawn Nixon, but we're not going to move on from Keyshawn Nixon, especially with all the injuries that we have. I saw that we... Um, took Stokes off of Pup, and everybody is all excited, like, yeah, Stokes is back. And I'm like, yeah, that probably means Jair's not playing. <laughs> I don't know that, but that was my first thought, is he's being activated for that reason. So uh, we need him as a depth player, so I don't think he's going to be moved on. He might, I don't know. But that would be sort of the the question. Are, are we kind of done with you, and you don't really serve a purpose? And you could look at Yash, but, I mean, he's with the injury to David Bakhtiari, again, with we're, we're an injury away from really needing him. If we move on from Yash Nyman, now we've lost two offensive tackles. If we if Rashid goes out or Zach Tom goes out, who are we putting in there? So I don't think we necessarily sell him. Maybe if David Bakhtiari was healthy, that would be a consideration because Rashid would be our backup, but I don't think at this point that would be the case. As far as Garrett Bowles, everything makes sense aside from the part that he's basically the same age as David Bakhtiari. He's 31 and a half years old. He's a great pass blocker. Um, was a really good run blocker, but it seems like that's kind of fading. He's having a bad year that way. And um, he also missed most of 2022. Looks like he was injured in 2021. So he's a he's a 31-year-old guy with injury issues. So I'm not super in on that. Um, look, I mean, if, if we want to inv- be buyers of somebody that was kind of like Zadarius or Preston or Amos or I guess Billy Turner, even though I don't want somebody like that. But the point is a 26 year old player with still some gas left in the tank over the next, you know, three, four, five years. Yeah, let's check it out. But nothing really outside of that. I don't want one year patches because that's stupid to give up draft capital so that we can, what, maybe go on a Super Bowl run this year? Give me a break. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's, that's un- unless it's, you know, we're trading for Josh Allen, I don't know what we're talking about. So I think it's possible we could be sellers. I think it's possible we could be buyers, but that's kind of the framework I'm coming from. It, it's, it's a long-term investment if you're a buyer, and selling is just you're not a part of our future plans, and you have some level of value that we can squeeze out of somebody okay so uh the topic that i'd asked you about uh to get some advice from you about um regarding the nfl youtube subscription um my wife's been she she apparently she does listen to the podcast every once in a while she's heard me comment on it how funny some of them are and I think she's really trying to understand my passion for the Packers a little more. Nice. So she's delving into areas I didn't expect her to. And uh, so after she had listened to my request for advice, she felt kind of bad about it. And she turns out 
um, decided she wanted to be a monthly um, supporter of your dad's ministry, uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Ministries. By the way, um, I completely forgot to shout you out. I was going to do it, and then I couldn't get a word in on the uh, the live stream. I wanted to mention it when you were on there uh, to say thank you. I did say thank you. I already recorded it. Thank you on tomorrow's podcast. Um, but since this will come out first, thank you again very, very much for that. Um, I got a text message from my parents. I don't remember your wife's first name. I wouldn't say it anyways. But um, do you know such and such? And then, you know, your last name. And I'm like, I know the last name, um, so I'm guessing it would be his wife. I don't know, but uh, yeah, not, I'm good to glad to get confirmation that it was officially you. So I, I really do appreciate that. Um, it was a very generous, is a very generous uh, donation. So I know they are over the moon excited about that, and um, just very very happy to have your support. I appreciate that. So, and I don't share this to toot my own horn or anything. I'm sharing it because. Uh, I don't hear you guys promoting it lately, and I just throwing down the gauntlet to challenge a lot of the other listeners that uh, people like what your dad is helping. Um, they deserve to know that there are people out there to believe in them and are willing to support them. And I think we can forego a five or six dollar cup from Starbucks and just. Um, sacrifice in another area to help somebody that can get them back on their feet. So I'm just challenging all the other listeners to uh, do the same. So we all have sacrifices that we make, but there are also other things that are worth supporting. So that's my two cents on that. I'm out. Yeah, I appreciate that, Garrett. Um, yeah, we haven't mentioned it much. I mean, there's there's constantly stuff going on and different things we support, and then there's sometimes uh, advertisers and different things. So, uh, yeah, I haven't mentioned Fertile Ground Ranch, but please consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. I'm going to tell you what, it's early, but that's a nice little segue. Why don't we go ahead and take a break on that note, and we'll hear from Mitchell from Canada. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, Ryan. It's Mitchell from uh, Canada again. I apologize, too. I realize my uh, call quality is not the greatest, but I'm using a text app to call because I'm too cheap to use long distance to call in. That's all right. um, Anyways, yeah, I had a bunch of counters I was going to bring up about our little Jordan debate, but I feel like we discussed it enough, and I love your analogies. I love analogies, too. I had this whole fishing analogy about a... Of course you did. Canadian with a fishing analogy. <laughs> low leak in a boat. And, but I figured we discussed it enough. Uh, we just kind of have to wait and see on love. But another thing I would like to bring up and just maybe hear your opinion on is I understand it's not uh, ideal to constantly be rotating on a line, but I think this is this would have been the week maybe to try something to do it. Um, I would like to see them try something new possibly in a scenario that seems interesting to me, and it's a lot of shakeup, but um, what do we have to lose, really, right? Like, I would maybe like to see Tom move back to left tackle and then see what we have in Yasha, right tackle, for what we're paying him, because I think we're actually paying him a decent amount, um, Yash there, but um, I, I don't know. Keep keep JRJ at right guard and then maybe move out in the center and, and see what we can do at the left guard. Maybe Rashid can do something there. And I don't know, maybe they've tried it in practice and it was awful, but for as good as Myers can be at pass blocking, I think he's just been too much of a liability. I wasn't one of the people that wanted to get rid of Myers or anything, but at this point he's just been a liability and maybe not that exact lineup per se, but I feel like it's not working. Um, even if they're grading out okay, there's just something wrong with the O-line and just, I don't know, even switching the tackles or something. But let me know what you think. I just think Myers has been too much of a liability. It doesn't outweigh um, his pass blocking skills anymore, in my opinion. But, yeah, uh, just let me know what you think. Thanks. I think at this point, I'm kind of with you where it's like at one point I really wasn't I wasn't out on this, that, or the other. I, I didn't like the idea of shuffling things, and I still really don't, but I'm becoming open to it. I do want to wait, though. Uh, again, we had one really bad week, and then we had one kind of subpar week, but not really. Um, when you look at it in the context of how everybody else is doing, you know, the 30% pressure rate. For Green Bay Packers, that's high, but for the NFL, that's still pretty low. Um, I want to see if, if there's a bit of a bounce back, especially against a bad defense um if we get back down to 20 percent pressure rate this is back to being a top two offensive line you know i mean it's it is a as far as pass blocking you know not maybe not overall maybe not certainly not run blocking but as far as pass blocking they do a phenomenal job of of just i mean pass blocking of protecting the quarterback so um 
Yeah, I mean, again, it was one bad week, and then they got better the next week, and now we got our bye week. Let's just see if it gets better. If we still have a bunch of issues, and that includes pass blocking, because if the run blocking is bad but the pass blocking is solid, I'm, I, I know I'm not... Um, I know a lot of people would disagree, but I, I just... I don't want to say I don't care because I care, but I, I'm not changing a really elite pass blocking unit to try to improve the run blocking maybe a little bit. And by maybe, I mean probably not, because they're all just bad at run blocking wherever you put them. So, it's, for me, it's at least wait and see. And if we see, again, 40%, or we see just a bunch of guys not know what they're doing, then I'm at least open to it. I don't think it's going to fix anything. I really don't. I think, you know, it's, it's really unlikely, because it's mostly the same guys, and then we're just getting rid of one guy and putting in somebody that's going to be really not good, because every backup that we have, as much as we might not like Runyon or Myers or whatever, they're going to be less good, would be my assumption. I don't know. I mean, we could put Sean Ryan in there, see what he can do, I guess, but I'm not expecting much. But again, I, I would be semi-open to it if things really go south, especially this week, I suppose. Hey, Ron, it's Jersey Mike. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I hear your response. I, I get what you're saying. I, I do. Um, and I think we're on the same page, but we're not right? You're saying that people just have to execute. And Matt LaFleur is scheming guys open, he's doing the right things, and it's just our guys not executing. Which I, I, I'm with you on. I think we're just on a little bit different of a path on how we get guys to execute. Um, when I say simplify, like, yeah, I, I'm not arguing that what we saw versus the Raiders isn't simplified. And I, I am saying simplify it more. Um, and, and you might have your qualms with me saying that, or you might have your disagreement saying, like, hey, you know, we simplify it anymore, everybody's going to know what we're doing. But uh, maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is we should be able to do it so well it doesn't matter if you know what we're doing. I mean, let's, let's take an example, all right? The, the let, let me just pause it there, though. Do you think we're going to get to that point? If I'm telling you right now that we got guys wide open and we can't throw it, and we got guys that are getting the ball and they can't catch it, and we got an offensive line that can't block, we got guys that can't do basic stuff, but if we make it even more basic, like super-duper-duper basic, then they're going to be like the power sweep Green Bay Packers where it's just going to be unstoppable. I mean, we could try that, but I just, I don't think that there's, again, if, if we can't just get, hey, that guy right there is open, can you throw it to him? No, you're going to airmail it over his head? That sucks. If we can't do that right, I just don't see, like, let's let's bring the playbook down to, like, six plays, but we are elite at these six plays. Like, I just don't think we're good enough at execution, period, to execute even more mega super duper basic plays um you know perfectly i i i can't see that being a thing on fourth and two fourth and one fourth and whatever we got the push push with what what is the success rate now i mean everybody knows they're gonna do it and they they can't stop it I mean, we can stop it. I don't know how we can stop it, but, but they can't stop it. 
So we got to find those plays where we're just going to go out there and say, I don't care, go out there and win it. Win your matchups. And, and, and mostly that's going to be through the run game, which we talked about. Let, let, me, let me just stop there for a second, too, because we have come now full circle to where we got mad at Aaron Rodgers because he's refusing to stick to the scheme and instead wants to be a part of a team where it's like old school Mike McCarthy, Jordy Nelson, you know, just go beat the guy, Devontae Adams. Um, and now that guy's gone, and we got a new guy in here, and the scheme is working, and the players aren't good, and we're going to lean on the players to execute at a really high level and disregard the scheme which is working. You know what I mean? Like that That's my issue with the plan is the scheme is working, the execution isn't. So let's do away with the scheme and lean more on execution and these guys just being elite, the guys that are sucking right now. I don't... I can't super get behind that plan. All offseason, let's, let's ride the run because if we ride the run, it'll make it so much easier for Jordan Love to throw. I get that, but now we're also we're, we're leaning into what doesn't work. right? We got good pass blockers and terrible run blockers. And I know that running needs to happen at some point, and we do need to improve a little bit, but, I mean, it just feels like we're leaning on all the things that don't work. And I think that is the key. If we can legitimately run the football, it opens up the play action that much more. Because right now people aren't afraid of us running the football, so they don't have to dedicate to stopping the run, which means they can play more coverage, which means we have these problems. And I, and I agree, we need to run better. But, I mean, again, and I've said this numerous times, I don't know if it was to you or to different callers or what, but, I mean, we, we couldn't get any more basic in terms of the play calling as far as running. I mean, there was a couple things with guys coming across the formation, but we legitimately had two double teams right in the middle of the offensive line. And it's like, just run between the two double teams. And we had... The double team's losing, and A.J. Dillon bailing on the double team, which he shouldn't have done. Just keep going. It's fine. Yeah, he's losing, but you still got four against two. They'll be able to push. Nope, A.J. Dillon's going to freewheel it and go running somewhere else where there's nobody blocking and five defenders. Like, it's not... It, you cannot get more simple than this. Win your double teams. Nope, we're going to lose. Okay. And then A.J. Dillon just run behind these four guys who are blocking two guys. Nope, I'm going to go somewhere else. F and A, man. F and A. I don't know what else to do with you people. I'm trying to make this kindergarten level stuff. I'm trying to cheat, and it's not working. <laughs> Four on two. Oh, and our running back is like 250 freaking pounds, and we can't make that work. Good Lord. That's what I'm saying. That's it. That's where I'm at. Disagree with me. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but... That's all I want from this team. I want them to go out there and execute like plays really, really oh, well. I do too. To the point where it doesn't. I want them to execute plays like moderately well. That's what that's what I'm leaning on. No matter if they know what we're doing, they cannot stop. <clears throat> and then let's see what Jordan Love can do after after that. Because I'm upset with Love just as you are. Anyway, go pack up. I get it. I just feel like we're skipping seven, eight, nine, ten steps. Like. <laughs> We can't execute basic stuff. And you're like, yeah, but what if what if we were so good that whatever we whatever we call, 
Like, you just can't stop. Like, we could tell you the play and you can't even stop us. Like, yeah, that'd be dope, man. We can't do that, like, at all. But that would be pretty sweet, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I'm with you on, on, like, the level of awesome that that is. You know, we're talking, like, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, best offensive line in football. Like, yeah, that's, that's what, but we don't have any of that right now. Like, we got, we got nothing. We, we, we've got, we've got a coach, from what I can tell, doing his absolute best to try to make sure that these guys can do something, and them going, derp de derp de derp de derp running into the frickin' wall, and, um, looking stupid. That, that's the best as I can interpret <laughs> the situation. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, again, we... I think we've kind of hammered out where we're at with things, but um, I don't know. I mean, and again, that was just my assessment of one game. That might not be the reality of the situation in totality. That might not have been the Falcons situation. That might not have been the Lions situation. Maybe it was a different thing in those games. I don't know. Um, but I will be sure to keep an eye moving forward and seeing how these things pan out. But that was my interpretation of the Raiders game. Daddy! Yo. What's up, buddy? What up? Snacks. What's up, Snacks? I have zero idea whether this is going to make it before the game or after, but it nah, doesn't really matter. Got to get it in before. Uh, I haven't called in a minute. Obviously, we've had a bye, so we've been off. But, um, you know, thinking about all this and watching that game last night in New Orleans found offense for, like, 12 minutes, the last 12 minutes of that game, and I feel like they kind of found it running hurry up and whatever else. You know, offensively, I, I feel like when we have rhythm, and I guess this isn't this isn't revolutionary because everybody that has rhythm does okay, but when we've got rhythm, everything looks really nice. But then we've had, you know, a variety of things that have kind of gotten in the way of that, whether it's not execution or penalties or you name it. Um, and then I feel like, Sometimes Jordan tries to compensate or overcompensate for it. I mean, is he leading the league in like yards per attempt at over nine point nine and a half or something like that? And then yards per completion is like six point four. So that disparity is massive. But I just wonder if that lack of rhythm is causing him to then try and make up for stuff by just going further instead of doing what he normally does, which goes through the progressions and whatever else. So back to kind of the original thing about New Orleans, like I do wonder if they try to shake it up a little bit and maybe did a hurry up every now and then just to try and get him into something. I know they, they try to get the start of the game going short passes and getting him into a groove, but I don't know, man. I, I think there's something to that, and I feel like if there's a little bit of a different pulse and maybe having Watson back for a little bit, um, where they've had some chance to practice together. You know, Jones hasn't really been practicing. Now he's back. Um, you know, at the start of the year, they looked okay because they'd all been together, and some of the linemen obviously went down too. And, and every team has injuries. But I do wonder if that kind of disorganization, just given kind of the ins and outs of some of the players, if that's played a part and maybe this time off that they've taken um, – will allow them the opportunity to find some of that. 
and maybe they get creative a little bit and try and run a little bit quicker to try and get them going. I do get a little bit nervous about people saying Denver's the end-all, cure-all, whatever right. else, that their defense is terrible and whatever else. I mean, going to Denver isn't easy no matter when. And I feel like Denver's defense is playing a little bit better, and we're not world beaters ourselves. So right, exactly. I get a little bit nervous getting all hyped up because we're going into Denver and they're terrible. But, I mean, I guess if you're going to play anybody, you'd rather play somebody who's a little bit weaker. Well, and it he got three minutes, but I think he was done anyways. Um, I think it's kind of almost setting the offense up for failure in a way. Like, if you don't score 25, 30, 35 points, you obviously suck. It's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just, I think it's going to be a tough game, and um, I think that's going to upset a lot of people that it's going to end up being a tough game. Assuming they even win, it's still, I think, going to be pretty tough. It'd be great if we just light them up, but, you know, for the reasons you laid out, Denver, I don't think, is going to be as bad as people are as ex- are expecting. And maybe maybe I'm wrong about that but especially in Denver. And then Green Bay, obviously not being the greatest in the world either. You know. Um, as far as the Jordan Love thing, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that in terms of he kind of is is panicking and trying to compensate for things that are going wrong. And that was an issue that he had in college as well. I mean, his team was bad and they were losing a lot, so he would just go out there and try to make plays. Um, but that in and of itself is a pretty negative trait. I mean, we ragged on Rodgers a lot for that. We called it hero ball. And it was something that Jordan Love was supposed to fix, right? We got a guy that's that's going to be calm and composed and stay within the structure of the offense and not go out there and just start slinging it all over the place, just panic because things aren't going right, so I'm going to launch it 40 yards down the field. So you're right. He may be doing this as a result of things not going well and trying to get a spark. The problem is... I don't want him to do that. Stop doing that. Especially when, again, when I can go back and see guys that are open. I don't need you slinging it 40 yards down the field inaccurately, by the way, when we've got a guy open 8 yards down the field. I don't need you to do that. I don't need you to panic when you think that there's probably going to be pressure and there really isn't. I don't need you to start dropping your eyes and scrambling out of the pocket and trying to make plays down the field when you didn't need to do that. You could have stayed in the pocket and delivered a pass. I don't need or want any of that. So... On one hand, yes, I hope that the team around him gets better, and as a result, Jordan improves. But I don't want to depend on the team getting better so that Jordan can improve, because if this is who Jordan is, a guy that panics and self-destructs when things go bad, that's a problem in and of itself. And I borderline don't want things to get too perfect, because if everything gets perfect, let's say the wide receivers are perfect, and the offensive line is perfect, and the play calling is perfect, and Jordan Love looks adequate... Now I'm really nervous because I know that that's not sustainable. So I would almost rather things stay a little bit rocky because he needs to learn to overcome that. He needs to be a quarterback that not only is good when things are good, he needs to be a quarterback that is good when things are are, are not super great. He needs to be a quarterback that can lead comebacks and can stay calm and composed and keep the team calm and composed when things aren't looking great. Again, we saw that early in the season. Big comeback, right? Biggest fourth quarter comeback or whatever in, in Packers history or tied for. All right, he has to be able to do that. So again, I I will accept it in terms of it being a reality, but I I won't accept it in terms of it being an excuse because it's not okay. But it probably is a reality. So again, fingers crossed for a massive return. I'm hoping for a much better performance from our offensive line. I'm looking for a better performance from our quarterback. 
and hopefully get some of these wide receivers rocking and rolling. I'm I'm hopeful that Aaron Jones plays and we get to see him back. I want to see Christian Watson get his big breakout game we haven't seen yet. I want to see Romeo Dobbs get back to where he's been. I mean, I'm asking a lot from a lot of guys, but I mean, somebody's got to step up and be that dude, you know. It starts with Jordan being able to throw to the right guy at the right time and everything else, but um, the other guy's got to step up, be in the right spot at the right time, catch the pass, and do something after the catch, you know. So three more calls, we'll take one more break, and we'll get started with Trucker Bob. Hey, Ryan. This is Trucker Bob. Hey, Trucker Bob. We're calling out here from middle of nowhere in West Texas. All right. Can't see a house or towns or anything, just this one truck stop in the middle of nowhere. Anyways, we came back from Germany, had a great time. Sounded like it. Um, but something worth doing. We spent our last two nights actually inside a castle. Nice. Um, there's this castle in the white. Something European people probably don't realize is how amazing it is for us that, you know, to see or be in a castle because that's not a thing here you know we don't we don't got that stuff you guys got that and it's pretty dope i've never seen one but um hopefully sometime in my life i'll be able to see one of them castle things Eichenberg, germany and you can rent uh an entire uh, apartment there nice. they have apartments in the walls it was three bedrooms and it was cool it had uh grandfather clocks in it and you know, medieval-type furniture and stuff, and it was really neat. So we loved wandering around the castle grounds for a couple of days, finishing up our trip there. Anyways, I do have a question for you, since we're talking about trades. I was wondering, let's say the Packers know they got five or six guys in the late rounds, sixth and seventh rounds they'd like to uh, uh, draft, but they only have, like, maybe one six and two sevens or something. They don't have enough draft choices there. Could you give up a fifth-round draft choice and pick up a sixth and a seventh draft choice in exchange? Would that be considered a fair trade? I was just curious. I was thinking about that the other day. I was just wondering what you thought of something like that, whether that anybody's done that or whether that's a valuable trade or not. Anyways, Trucker Bob out. We're heading for California. Nice. Well, that sounds uh, luxurious. So if we traded our fifth round pick, I'm just using, and there's a bunch of different trade value charts. This is the Jimmy Johnson, which is a little outdated, but whatever. It is what it is. Just general. Um, It is worth 37 points. Our sixth and seventh round um, picks are worth, let's see, uh, 23 plus 10 is 33, 34 points. So it's almost identical. So yes, a fifth round pick is worth almost exactly a sixth and seventh. Now it depends what fifth and what sixth and what seventh. But just looking at where the Packers are picking, which is right now they have us around 10th or at 10th, it would be a very even trade. As far as the question of would you do that, that's that's kind of tough. Um, I think multiple bites at the apple are probably the best way to go. But you know you're going to have somebody on your board in the fifth round that's higher. Now, it's probably the best thing to do to trade it and and take those picks, especially, you know, if your board says there's a bunch of guys that we like in that range, it's probably the smart thing to do because the difference realistically, if you look historically at how 
good fifth round picks are compared to sixth round or seventh round. I mean, the bottom line is none of them are really good. I think once you get, especially for the Packers who kind of thrive in the fourth, when you're talking fifth, sixth, seventh, it's a pile of guys that are almost never good. So if it's one every 20 players, 30, 40, 50 players, that's good. You you just want to take multiple swings. Even if it's one every 40 in the fifth round and one every 60 in the seventh round, I still think I would rather take the multiple swings. Um, and that's that's trusting the data as opposed to trusting your board, right? Every, every GM that massively trusts their board says, no, this guy's going to be great. We can do da 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 um, But I think the more data-driven people would say, trade away the pick and go back and get multiple picks. But it always is going to depend on your board. And like you said, in that scenario where you have a bunch, sometimes you might only have, like we got 15 guys left on our whole board. So if anything, trade up, you know. Um, If we've got a bunch of guys left and we can't really, there's not a big gap between the guy top of our board now and and bottom of our even draftable board, then, um, then definitely trade back. So, you know, got to kind of play it by ear depending on the situation. Hey, Ryan, you're playing Joe Barry's press conference right now, and he's talking about how basically, you know, just so happened that Devontae Adams ended up on Preston, and I, I'm sorry, but I, I don't feel comfortable about Preston on anybody, except maybe a tight end, as long as it's not like a Kyle Pitts tight end, you know, if it's your normal, not normal, that's, they're getting leaner and faster, so, you know, I, I don't even want him on a tight end, like, I I get the theory, um, but I don't know, I just don't even want that, and... I just don't like the answer personally. It's like, oh, we got to put something in for him to be able to get out of that situation. Well, that should have already been put in. So, anyway, this annoyed me. It's like, just, Preston is not guarding anybody. I'm sorry. Maybe he can cover his own, but he's supposed to drop and then follow Devontae or any receiver. Uh, nothing. Go back, go. Yeah, look, I mean, the. Uh... The Preston thing is is tough because there's there's layers to it in terms of you know again anytime you're in a three four defense this is just a casualty that's that's bound to happen now there's there's layers to it in terms of you know you have to know that they're going to try to put you in those situations and and what do we do and and I don't know you know what I mean like that the, there's there's sort of the one oh one level that says sometimes these guys have to drop into coverage and then there's from an offensive standpoint, how do we manipulate that and try to take advantage of it? From a defensive standpoint, how do we how do we come out in base but mitigate the damage? And these, I mean, there are, I mean, this is like chess where you're multiple steps down the road trying to figure out how to do all these things, and I don't know the answers to those. Um, I know that these things are going to happen. I don't know how they don't just manipulate that every single time you're in base, unless you basically are in nickel all the time, unless they're coming out with just straight up heavy third and one whatever. Um. Yeah, I, I and even then, it's like you, if you can get Devontae in the slot and get Preston to cover him, I mean, that's an easy way to convert a third and one. So I, I don't know all the nuances of that. All I know is it is a rarity to see, and because it's so rare to see, it seems to me that these are things that are, are generally mitigated. And the fact that Joe Barry himself came out and said we need to have some kind of a mechanism to, to get out of that or something... Um. I mean, to me, I, I take that at face value to mean that there there can be in that situation something to do that 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 we didn't have. Um, but I mean, the bottom line is, 
in reality, and and I and I agree that that was that was bad, and probably we need to work on that. The reality is, as long as we're a three four defense, that's going to be a thing that happens, and it happens to everybody else that plays a three four defense as well. Um, I mean, I I remember last year, same thing, putting a big old circle around Daniil Hunter, press uh, covering someone. I think we had that might even been against us, where we had somebody against Daniil, um, and took advantage of it. And Daniil's traditionally a down defensive end, so he's not even used to that in in comparison to other outside linebackers who generally are not going to be able to handle it no matter what. Maybe in college they can do it a little bit better, but in the pros, it's good luck. Um, so I I don't know. I don't know how to really add to the conversation beyond that. Um, we need to we need to mitigate those situations as much as possible because those are automatic, you know. Um, and usually, usually it's not that bad because you'll see, for example, you know, Devontae will run out, Preston will just go into the flat. So he's just, he's just bailing on that whole area anyways. And somebody else will come down to try to cover Devontae, um, you know, in zone or whatever. Somebody else is there. That was just particularly, particularly egregious because you had Preston kind of trying to cover and carry him, which is never going to work. So yeah, I don't know. The only thing I can tell you is be prepared for this to continue, and it's not necessarily because Joe Barry's terrible, although there, it is possible that Joe Barry isn't doing the best he could possibly do to mitigate these situations, but I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, again, I would have to be able to look at some form of data that says, here's the 32 teams. Of those 32, here's the ones that run 3-2, uh, run a 3-4 defense, um, and then how many of them get caught up or, or even you could look at it from a when they're in base, how many of them get stuck in these situations. You know what I mean? Like you'd have to break it down to that level to be able to compare and see is Joe Barry doing a worse job than everybody else in these situations? Or, or are there people that generally don't get caught in these situations? And if so, how? And, and you know, then, then you could really hammer that and say, okay, Joe Barry sucks. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the, uh, I don't know the solution, but we'll see. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. Uh, just wanted to call in for a couple of reasons. One, um, I know the game is, you know, obviously going to be happening. I don't even know if this call is going to come through. Uh, I got you. Probably going to get purged, but um, that happens. I'll, I'll recall if necessary. But uh, by the way, I did just put out a message. I'll try to remember to do this more often. Um, I know I'm going to forget, but I put out a, a message in the Discord as well as on Twitter um, just basically saying I'm done recording. I already put it out because, you know, whatever. I was thinking about saying get your calls in, but then I figured some people would start calling after thinking that they can get it in in time. So I was just like, well, I just did the cutoff. But just letting you know, like, the recording is done, so don't call in um, until the game starts because because everything prior to 12 o'clock or what is it three o'clock game or 12 o'clock game i think it's three o'clock everything prior to the three fifteen kickoff is probably just going to be disregarded i'm sure some people will call in but if you don't want to be skipped um you know follow me on twitter or jump in the packernet podcast or excuse me packernet after dark discord and i'll try to get you a heads up as to when to stop calling so that you don't waste a call getting skipped. And and if it's an, an evergreen call where it doesn't really matter, just wait until the game starts and then call it in then or after or whatever. 
Um, first thing, I just wanted to see, I know you said you uh, you thought that that uh, Science of Scare study that they did was pretty cool. Yes. Kind of hoping you'll break it down or talk through it on Packer Night After Dark. I'm actually glad um, that you brought that up because I was just thinking to myself, I got to go find that because I'm going to lose it. I know I am. So what he's talking about, I, I have been trying for so long. I go on Netflix, and because it's October, I'm trying to find scary movies. I've watched a bunch of movies. Like, I have been on a movie binge, like, legitimately, like, trying to watch, like, one a day. Um, maybe that's not a lot for some people. I don't know. But uh, bottom line is most of them suck. They're just not very good. I sit here and watch them, and it's like, eh. Like, I watched Us. Us was kind of stupid. I didn't really like it. I, I mentioned in the... Um, in the Discord to, um, we've got a little little page or channel or whatever you call it in there called Omar's Film Collection. And I, I told Omar, like, this made me feel like a movie that you would like because it was, it was kind of like not very realistic, kind of a little bit goofy, but very violent. So it felt kind of like an Omar thing. I didn't get an answer on if you watched it or not, but I told him I think he'd like it. Um, I watched Ma, which wasn't bad. I, it was enjoyable, but I wouldn't call it scary. Is just kind of a sociopath. I mean, it was, it, was, it was more of just like a good movie, which is rare for horror. Usually it's it's a good movie that's horror, in my opinion, is a scary movie. But that was kind of a, like, just a decent overall movie, in my opinion. Anyways, without going through my whole thing, Nate shared with me The Science of Scare 2023. And this is just such a freaking thing that I would enjoy anyways, which is like a ranking scale based on actual statistics to find out how scary things are. For example, average resting heart rate... Average movie heart rate, overall difference in beats per minute, HRV difference, which is heart rate variance, maybe? Highest spike in beats per minute, and then an overall scare score based on that. How freaking awesome is that? So you've got, like, elevated heart rate, and then you've also got spikes. So the the spike thing is kind of cool, too, because some of them maybe are, like, jump scares, but it's not overall kind of scary. And then some of them, like, you just have a higher average heart rate because it's just kind of creepy all the way along. So, um... At the top is Sinister, which I have seen, and I will say, I get it. I do. Wasn't like, um, I was going to say it's not my favorite in the world, but I mean, it, I understand why your heart rate would be elevated through most of that. Uh, it's just that that was a good movie. Anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll go through a few more. I want to see more of what, uh, what Nate's got to say here before I just completely geek out on, uh on this scare score because i haven't even really delved into it because i'm excited to find like a list of movies that i can watch at some point um i wish i would have sent it to you earlier during the uh the, the bye week that we've had and not so close to the game but <laughs> the other thing is i saw that they released justin hollins today they activated um they activated stokes but they released justin hollins and i just thought that that was really weird because they seemed to really like him like he right for a really long time was like playing over other people, like over our some of our, you know, who we thought we were going to be starters, and you know, people who knew the system and everything. So I don't, I don't really understand like why they just suddenly were like, nah, no, nah, let's just drop him. Like why not drop Zane Anderson? That guy doesn't. I don't think he's actually a real person. I think he just exists <laughs> on paper as a fake name. But, um, but yeah, I just want to know what uh, what you think of all the movies that were on that list. And then I also want to know your thoughts on the whole Justin Hollins thing. Go pack up. Yeah, so I, I think Justin Hollins was just kind of a reality check for the Packers on top of we've got a lot of guys, right? So you've got Preston, 
Rashawn is going to start getting more snaps, as they said. Um, Lucas Van Ness obviously is going to play a larger role. Kingsley, I don't think has been great, but I mean, you know, better than Justin Hollins, perhaps, and still a guy that we're not going to move on from. So I, I, I at least agree that it's weird um, as far as like, why not get rid of some other random person? But I, I just think there's some people that you look at and go, you don't really serve a purpose. Whereas Zane, which I, I get that our perspective is, I don't even know who he is or why he's here. Zane is somebody that they're looking at going, maybe he's he's somebody we can develop. And they, they have to at least take some time to try to develop the guy and see if he can be something. I think it just has kind of run its course um, with uh, Justin Hollins. And they realize he doesn't serve a purpose. We don't really need him. And so away we go. Uh, all right. So Sinister is at the top with the overall scare score of 96. Highest spike of beats per minute was 131. Some that are higher than that are Insidious, 133, The Conjuring, 132, and that's it. So it has the third highest spike. And then the average movie heartbeat per minute was 86. Host was higher. So we got to check that out. But otherwise, it was, so it was the second highest average beat per minute and third highest spike um, in beats per minute. So Host is actually number two. And I don't think I've seen that. Where can I watch host? AMC Plus, YouTube, Roku, Amazon. Could try Amazon. Usually when it says it's on Amazon, you go check it out and you're like, oh, you can pay for it on Amazon. It says I can watch it with a premium subscription, but it almost never actually pans out that way. Yeah, you come on here and it's like, yeah, subscribe to Shutter or AMC. Bro, I'm subscribed to you, stupid. But I can rent it for $2.69, which, I mean, I'm not rich. But I ain't freaking that broke. Oh, 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 check this out. It's on sale. I can rent it for 59 cents. Yes, please. Anyways, I got a bunch of stuff I'm excited. Let me run through the list here real quick, just for those of you that want to know where can I find it. Here we go. Number one is Sinister. Good movie. Number two is Host. Working on renting that. Need. I always have to like ask my wife, like, can I have the pin, please? Number three, Skinamarink. No idea. Uh, number four is Insidious. I think I've seen that. Which one is that? All these things just run together. Boom, I got host. Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember that. I don't think I've seen all of them, though. I gotta, I gotta get back into that. Uh, the Conjuring, I know I've seen. Hereditary, I've seen. Number seven is Smile. Smile was okay. The Exorcism of Emily Rose is eight. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That was pretty good. Then we've got Hell House, Talk to Me, The Descent, The Conjuring 2, It Follows... The Dark and the Wicked, Paranormal Activity, The Babadook, A Quiet Place 2, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, and Insidious 2. And it, the list goes on from there, um, but I can't see it. It was just kind of snip. I'm sure you can Google The Science of Scare 2023, um, but I think this is the coolest thing ever, that they actually track stuff like that to kind of come up with a scare score. Super excited to watch Host. And um, for those that are wondering, the official scores, the... There are four of them in the 90s. Insidious has a 90. Skinamarink has a 91. I got to check that one out. And then it jumps up to 95 for Host and 96 for Sinister. So there's kind of a gap there for the top two. So jacked to watch Host. But anyways, that's it, y'all. You guys have a good rest of your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.